Welcome again to Progressive Recovery. This is Ron Chapman. I'm really pleased to bring you this remarkable recovery story, which began more than 20 years ago when I was working with Donovan in his recovery. His was a desperate case, so desperate that for the very first time, I was called to practice with someone else what is today progressive recovery. It really felt that his was a matter of life and death, and that called for me to step outside my comfort zone and to go some places that neither he nor I knew in advance. In short, Donovan's extraordinary work with the 12 steps revealed so much more within him that needed attention. It's a common story for some of us that good recovery work reveals still more things that need our attention. Largely, his was bundled around relationship breakdowns, which is a lifelong story that came with a great deal of shame. Therapeutic work helped him, but it brought Donovan and me to a willingness to go to any lengths than we had ever imagined. Lengths that were necessary, but even now will stretch you as well. Our starting point is with yet one more devastating relationship breakdown in Donovan's life. Okay. Well, um, it was really the end of that, that particular relationship that, that put me in a position to, to go beyond anything that I had done with regard to working the 12 steps. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting how it came. I can remember you and I having a conversation where you introduced the possibility of maybe trying something I think called Ibogaine. Mm-hmm. An African African uh, mind altering substance that works on addicts. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can remember not being at all open minded to the prospect at the moment. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I was open minded about it either, but um, but still, I mean, mm-hmm. radical radical circumstances may call for radical action. Right. What happened with the end of that particular relationship, though, is it really drove me into a place that was a lot darker than any place I'd ever experienced. And I can't, to this day, explain what that was about. Hmm. You know, I mean, to use some traditional AA lingo about it, I would honestly, at this point, say it was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, even though the means were horrific. Yeah. But but anyway, uh, it, it, it was what it was. And, and it came up two more times that, that I might look into some alternative medicine, so to speak. And yeah. um, so I have a friend that lives in Southern California that had met some people that were ayahuasca practitioners. Ayahuasca being the South American plant, shamanic, medicine. plant yeah. medicine, shamanic practice that's yes. right. Right. has an ancient history. Um, you know, I really didn't know anything about it. All I knew is that I was in an incredibly dark place that I could not seem to escape. And, and I was so consumed with the blackness of my own shame that, I mean, I was, I was suicidal, you know, hmm. and yeah, I mean, I just, I could not see any way out of it. And so He's, he, he, he didn't even suggest, his, his comment to me was, you really need to contact these people. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, it was like, okay, whatever. Um, yep. You know, an interesting side note about this is that um, 
how far this whole traumatic experience went for me um, was that um, there came a moment where I took a drink. I was under the influence of some medications that were prescribed to me to treat the intense anxiety that I was going through and the depression and everything spun out of control. And I found myself in a world of trouble because, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's out there. So what happened is that under the influence of the alcohol and these medications, I just, I spun off and, and, and I mean, the only way I know how to describe it is there was some kind of a psychological breakdown that occurred. Hmm. Um, the result of that was that night I came home and, and I took all the medications that I had and, and, and laid down fully intending not to ever wake up again. Uh, I did. Um, several days later I attempted to buy a handgun, but because police report had been filed and, and, and there was, action towards a restraining order. Um, the FBI already had my name in their system and I wasn't able to pull that particular plan off. Um, yeah. And then the day that I went for the hearing on all that whole mess, I stood in the garage with a rope around my neck, trying to find the courage to end my life that way. Couldn't step into that space, you know. Um, part of the desperation was about that is that I had already made the arrangements to go do the ayahuasca ceremony, and, hmm. and I was sure that all this trouble was going to keep me from it. Yeah. Um, as it came to be, I, you know, found myself in the midst of a six-month-long restraining order. I got periodic calls from the police detective wanting to talk to me. And all I did was follow my attorney's advice, you know, and not speak to anyone about any of it. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm struck now by the, the language we often hear in recovery, the gift of desperation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so tell us, so it, it drove you to ayahuasca. Yeah, it literally did. Um, what to say about it? I mean, I stepped into that having no idea what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that, that, it, that it had psychedelic uh, mm -hmm. tendencies. I knew that they didn't always necessarily manifest. Right. Um, you know, the brief conversation that I had had with one of the... Uh, medicine people was that, you know, what I could fully expect is that it would bring some resolution to, to my history with trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and so I stepped into that space really in a lot of ways, hoping that, um, <laughs> what, <sighs> well, I mean, I think initially it was really just in the hopes that it would give me the ability to somehow face everything that I thought was coming my way without going into some sort of total collapse with it all. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause what I knew about my history with shame is that if I fell headlong into that, it was going to do me in that, that nothing was going to come off favorably to me. <laughs> and multiple sessions with ayahuasca followed. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, plainly put, what happened for me in the first session was that, um, you know, as you well know, Ron, I was always a pretty intent student of the spiritual path. Yes, that's a true statement. And I had had some pretty profound experiences and made some pretty um, obvious progress in my own life. But, but there were just some blockages in me that I could not push past, you know, despite all my earnestness, despite all my, <laughs> um, what hard work, you know, despite all my commitment to the process, I just could not find my way through that, that relational trauma that kept tripping me up. And so you mean it just, it just, it just didn't, couldn't, wouldn't heal. No. Uh, um, you know, what I, what I understood about that the first night of the first ceremony that I did is that there were blockages in me that, that couldn't get me past my own sense of separation, hmm. right? So at the level of any real kind of spiritual, fundamental spiritual healing, right, I couldn't make the connection between me and a higher power because there was, a, there was that bridge of separation, right? I carried these ideas that said there were things that had happened in my life and in my past that somehow set me apart from grace and love of this higher power, right? That I had, that I had so earnestly pursued for so many years at that point. And I can remember what happened. I was sitting out on the deck and I was looking up in the sky and it was night and, and there were a few clouds and the moon and the stars and, and I could see in my peripheral vision the movement of the palm trees and, and I could smell the smell of the outdoors and, and, and it was like it just clicked. It was like there was a door that opened in me and, and what I got is that everything is in effect moving in tandem with everything else, right? That, that life is this whole entity and that everything is participating with everything else at all stages, nonstop, no matter what. And as I said, they're taking all that in. What I got is that it's all a gift, right? And that that the giver of the gift is nothing short of what I can only describe as love, capital L, love, right? That nothing is ever held against anyone or anything for any reason. And um, that's big. Uh, that's big healing. Big medicine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was taking it all in, in in a way that I never even, you know, could have, I don't think, even even imagined, right? Um, I mean, honestly, I, yeah, I, I got what the spiritual heavy hitters that I had read so much about and, and, and from were talking about. Hmm. That, that it really is all, how do I want to say it? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I hesitate because suddenly I find that grace implies that something was wrong in the first place, you know, and, and maybe I need to look at my own understanding of grace and reevaluate that. But, but you know what I what I finally understood is the only person that was really thinking there was something wrong with me was me. <laughs> that was the shift, right? And so yes, I pressed in 
with all enthusiasm to that particular kind of work. And so, I did a number of ceremonies in rapid succession. So what is the, I, I, I guess the way to say this is, so, so what's been healed? Okay, so the sense of separation, I get that. But, or, or maybe it's more important to say for the purposes of our listeners, um, what's healing like? Well, gosh, that's, you know, I mean, I realize that I'm, that I'm trying to explain something that really, you know, is almost indescribable. Yeah. So, so, so maybe another way to do it then is, so, so what's different for you today? Let's go at it that way. Um, you know, I think really what I, what I was able to discover early on and doing my work with ayahuasca is that um, how do I want to say this? Um, that the real inability was was in a lack of apprehending that ultimately the person who had to be my greatest friend in my life was me. Right. Mm. And that, um, and that ultimately what it came down to is that God was not going to solve that problem for me. Mm. Right. It was like the invitation had to come from me and I had to accept it from me and commit to that relationship with me on those loving kind of terms. So you were your own block to your own healing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty profound. Right, yeah, right. I mean, you know, um, the way that that came to me coming out of this last ceremony is that, um, you know, we, we don't surrender ourselves to love right? Love is ourselves surrendered. Say that again, because our listeners need to hear that again. Okay. We don't, right? And, I, and I'm saying this as we, because if you don't get it, you got to get it, right? <laughs> okay, good. Say it's, it. very, it's very important. Right? Or as, as they say down south, preach it, brother. <laughs> okay. And this is a really, really huge piece for, for people that are trying to do 12-step work and, and grasp this spiritual relationship. Okay, so I'm going to say this one more time. We don't surrender ourselves to love, right? Love is ourselves surrendered. See, as I understand that, that encompasses the whole of the 12-step model for recovery, right? It's... Its starting point is the gift of powerlessness, and its ending point is the gift of powerlessness. Right? There's nothing that I can do about this love and this grace that's just pouring itself into everything at, at any given moment. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a there's a big book line: "Abandon yourself to God as you understand God," which is, I think, is probably what that's pointing us toward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I do want to reflect a couple of things back at you and you can, uh, you can offer a final thought. Um, 
they, I have, I have seen the transformation in you. And I, I, uh, I mean, I loved you all along, Donovan, and I, I love you for what you've been, been able to do with this. It's a pretty remarkable deal. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so any, uh, any final thought for our listeners about, I don't know, the, 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 if you didn't challenge them enough with those uh, thoughts about love, any, uh, any closing thought for them or something you just feel like you need to say for their benefit or for your benefit? You know, I, I think the thing that I would really want to say to anybody that's, that's involved in 12-step in, in recovery is that um, I have been really fortunate in that, you know, the path of my own recovery forced me into having to do that spiritual work. You know, I was not somebody that was just going to get to sit in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and not drink and have a healthy social life. I just wasn't. You know, um, there was a period that I really resented the fact that it was that way for me. And now, I mean, I would reflect that, you know, from from where I sit, it, it, it's very sad to me people that don't make use of the opportunity to to discover the potency <laughs> that is not even hidden within the work of the 12 steps, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so apparent. It's so apparent that it can be easily overlooked <laughs> if you're not paying attention. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful or not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do want to say, uh, I do want to say congratulations and I, I admire what you've done, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah. Donovan's story is both a profound and a difficult one. Perhaps it speaks to some of you. I'm going to again recite what he said. We don't surrender ourselves to love. Love is ourselves surrendered. Maybe. In the end, our recovery is about coming home to ourselves and that the path is not just the 12 steps, but powerlessness. Thanks for listening. Look forward to having you listen some more in the future as we roll out still more material at progressiverecovery.org.